Hello there, Streakers. How is everyone doing today? We are so excited to welcome a guest to our streaking show who founded Illuminate Wealth Management on January 1, 2020. His goal in founding Illuminate was to focus on serving smaller number of clients, providing a deeper, more personalized level of service while continuing to adopt the rapidly changing best practices in the industry. Well aware that finances are one of the most stressful things in everyone's <laughs> life, he is driven by the passion of helping people take that stress, listen to this, streakers, and turn it into reaching their greatest potential. He's a certified financial planner and has been featured in the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, and Financial Planning Magazine, among others. Also, along with his peer group, he co-founded in 2012, uh, were featured as the cover story in TD Advisor Solution Magazine. He's a member of the National Association of the Personal Financial Advisors and the XY Planning Network. Now, when not running Illuminate and serving clients, he spends time with his wife, and two kids cooking new recipes, as well as golfing, playing volleyball. He can be found learning new things and is always excited to share. Streakers, let's welcome to the streaking show, Ben Hakama, and let's get streaking. What is streaking and why should you do it? Streaking is how you set up personal winning streaks. Look at who you want to be and what you need to do to become that person. This is Streaking. I'm Jeff. And I'm Jamie. And we are Streakers. Through 30 years of marriage and seven children, we have learned the power of consecutive consistency or streaking. To start streaking is simple. You just follow these three laws. Make it laughably simple. Keep a record and join the streaking community. Streaking is your hidden superpower. With it, you will consistently progress and grow in whatever area of life you want. In this podcast, Jeff and I will share all the fun, exciting, serious, solemn, wonderful parts of family, spiritual, professional, and personal life, and how streaking powers it all. So join us in the conversation, join the movement, and start streaking today. Seriously, feel like we should. Let's get ready to rumble. <laughs> we're talking finances That's today. Exactly Let's right. do it. Let's do this. This is awesome, Ben. We're so excited to have you on the show. Thanks for coming. Thank you both, and that, that was that was a lot. Thanks for going through all that, Jeff. I know. <laughs> My pleasure. Um, I wanted to start today a little bit about talking about how you got started in financial planning, and then how that transitioned into founding your own company, Absolutely. and kind of what led you down that road. Yeah, it's a great, great place to start, start at the beginning, right? So yep. my, um, you know, my parents, they, they came from farmer families that were all about diligent savings, don't take a lot of debt, you know, do the right things every day. And um, they, you know, I saw through growing up how they saved a lot of money, even as my dad became a surgeon, and they still uh, focused on all kind of the the key things in, in finance. And my I thought I was going to follow my dad, be pre-med, go, go be a doctor. So I then I go to the OR with him one time, the operating room, and I see him break someone's jaw. And I said, I'm out. This is not happening. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, this is not the path I want to go. And uh, But I'm a lot like my dad. And he said, if I wasn't, if he wasn't in medicine, he would be a personal financial advisor. And he connected me with his advisor. And uh, that turned into an internship, which turned into the first decade of my career working uh, with that same firm and, and just learning um, from some great mentors on on how to work with clients and and really focus on all the, you know, exactly what you guys talk about, the, the key stuff every day that you can do to build towards the long-term, uh, you know, financial independence and, and be at peace with your finances. Um, so move forward to 
2019 and I started thinking I really just want to start my own business and um, part of it is work-life balance I think that's a big thing people talked about you know even pre-COVID right and uh, and also there's some changes in the industry and and I wanted to kind of be working towards the right direction I think of where the world is going especially for finance personal finance and work with a smaller number of clients and so launched right before COVID and uh, that was an interesting time to start a business. <laughs> yes, it is. Absolutely. Yeah. Launching right before COVID where now you can't go out and visit people. You got to find Correct. them online. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. So it's, it's been really interesting because there, there's a few clients that I work with that live, they're local to me. And I've still never met them in person because we met during COVID and met on Zoom. And then they're fine. They don't need to see me. And that's just our relationship. But it's it's still great. Yeah, that's fantastic. I do love that technology has allowed us to have that freedom and that flexibility. And a little bit, it's interesting because you're right, you bring up both of those emotions of, of the one, on the one side, you're like, wow, I feel like I know these people because we're on Zoom all the time and we're close. And then sometimes you stop and you think, but I've never actually met them in person. I only know them as a 2D person. <laughs> yes, exactly. For and sure. So it is interesting. <laughs> so it brings up both of those emotions. I, I have a, a client in Dallas and I'm in Chicago and and I flew down there a couple months ago and met him for the first time in person. And I right until I drove up to his house, I was all excited. And then I got really nervous. Wait a minute. What if this is different? I, I don't actually know this person, do so, I? So interestingly, just as we're going down this little side side travel, oftentimes when I meet per people for the first time in person, the first thing they'll say to me is, wow, you're a lot taller than what I thought. Because I'm 6'5". <laughs> And I am too. Thing. So there you Are go. You really, you see, uh, yes. So, so look, we, we see each other from, you know, the chest up and you don't realize when you stand next to them. Yeah. Wow, wow. You're really tall. Yes. <laughs> yes. We all only know each other from here up. That's right. <laughs> you wouldn't know my wife's 5'2 when we're sitting, you know, if she was sitting next to me. Are you seriously 6'5? Jamie is 5'2. Yep. That's hilarious. 5'3 on a good hair day. <laughs> okay, when so I, when see, I'm able to you sound like my wife up. too. Yep. Yes. <laughs> That's that is awesome. How did you two meet just on, on that? Uh, we met six weeks into college, freshman year, started dating a couple weeks after that, and the rest is history. So that is uh, great. Isn't it amazing how as a very tall person, because being six five, that's you that's on the taller end. Yep. It's it's the petite, smaller women that were attractive to me. Yep. <laughs> and I actually had tall I had a tall girl come up to me one time and say, it is so wrong of you to date someone that tall because you have a lot of options and I don't. <laughs> I have heard that before. And I remember That's thinking, hilarious. I was like, okay. Okay, thanks. Well, he's still mine, sorry. <laughs> All right, uh, we, we into, yes, we have, let's we get into finances. We have gone the rails here. <laughs> <laughs> worry, I thought we were gonna go, I love it. <laughs> All right, so with that, let's, let's talk just a little bit about um, you know, as we think about, there is a lot of stress in finances, no matter what. I mean, there's just there just is. And if I can get to this place of peace with my financial road, I guess that I'm traveling on, that's significant. So as we as we look at the whole world of financial planning, I mean, there's some, you know, there there's some things that come along with a financial planner that maybe are stigmas that people are a little nervous about or don't want to get into, but You've mentioned and you talk about the changing of the guard in financial planning. So talk to us now about how that's changed a little bit and why people, what, what's the benefit of reaching out to a certified financial planner? 
Absolutely. I'll start with actually the second part of that. Uh, okay. And and I think you kind of led there, which is there's there's a lot of stress around finances and and I actually think there's another word. There's a lot of shame around finances. Whenever mm, you think good. about you know looking at your numbers, you're looking at your budget, or going and revealing your finances to a third party that you don't know, a financial planner, that can be scary and and to be vulnerable to do that. And you know the way marketing works is marketing is all about getting you to do something different. And so a lot of financial planners, a lot of ads you'll see, whatever it is, is going to be, you're not good enough on your own. You need me. And that's all in a way of shame marketing of getting people to feel bad about themselves before they go and hire somebody and give everything away. And I think that's rooted in kind of the history of personal finance and financial advisors and and will probably continue as well. But hopefully, you know, as we kind of talk through, there's another subset of advisors that I think do a really good job for their planners. So if you go back to the 70s, financial planner or financial advisor only meant one thing. It was a stockbroker. The only way that you could get invested was to call up your broker. They're going to take a commission, but it's it's a fee that they're going to get off of there. And then um, that was it. And you just bought stocks and you couldn't go to online and there wasn't online that you could go to your phone and do something, right? So you had to call a stockbroker. Then things shifted um, and they shifted in the 80s and 90s to now it's a mutual fund. And so most people have heard of mutual funds. They're a mixture of stocks or bonds or things. And you still needed somebody, a gatekeeper to open that up to you. And they would sell that and they would get a cut again of whatever you gave them. So you gave them $100, they took $5 for themselves and invested $95. Then uh, a company that still has ads now, Charles Schwab came along. And what they did was open it up that you can now do uh, uh, non-commissioned funds. So it's kind of been where we've been since then is everyone thought of personal finance as investment gatekeepers. And that's what a financial planner did. And really since the mid nineties to today, the majority of people that you talk to that say they're financial planner or financial advisor, they start with, I can buy you mutual funds that fit for your plan. An asset allocation is a big buzzword in the industry. You can get you the right allocation and that's all they really do. Hmm. And that doesn't help 99% of people because 99% of the people Investments are one of the least important tools, pieces of getting where you need to go. What really matters is taking the right steps of how do I save towards my goals in whatever way that needs to happen. What's what's the way to save money on taxes so I don't have to give as much to the government? I can keep more for myself for my goals. How do I protect myself with things like insurance or um, setting up a good estate plan with a will and a trust and whatever you need for your situation, all of those pieces are way more important than how do I invest my money in the most optimal portfolio? And so any firm that's been around for more than 15 years probably is still thinking in the old school way of my number one job is to give people investment portfolios. And that is still something we do at Illuminate, but it is maybe 10% of my time is on that. More wow. is on cash flow. And we do right now we're in the middle of uh, four-year cash flow projections for every one of our clients. And 
going through all the different pieces and what do you save to your 401k versus what do you put aside for college or whatever that looks like, that's way more impactful than any of that other stuff on investments. That is so good. I want to go, I want to go back to the very beginning because I it really resonated with me when you said that there's a lot of shame associated with talking about finances. Because I think we live in a world where honestly people are validated by money. Whether or not we like that or not, it is a huge level of validation. And so being able to say how much you have or don't have or what you've done with it or haven't done with it or how much you've made or haven't made seems to feel like saying I'm smart or I'm not smart or I'm successful or I'm not successful rather than, and so it's a difficult thing to share. And so I loved that you said that to, and started that way by saying, look, this is something we're all dealing with and, and there shouldn't be shame involved in it. Um, and so I love that. And then really like the, when, when I first looked at, cause you, we had talked about the changing of the guard and financial planning. And I'm like, I don't understand what that means. I love that what you're saying is, look, the times have changed. We live in a different world and we have a lot more personal access to things, but we also have a lot more information that can be overwhelming in inundating. Oh, yeah. And I feel like that's what you're saying is, is, yeah, investing is part of it, but really what's going on is there's massive amounts of information out there, massive amounts of opportunity, and massive amounts of things that are happening that you may not have the time to totally become an expert in. But I do, and I can help you walk through that um, so that you can reach the goals that you want in, in life. I liked that. I liked that a lot. So the question I had for you, you know, as you talk about shame, how is it that, so I'll just be vulnerable myself, you know, sharing my full finances, your arch full finances with you, for example, if we were to do that, that could be like, okay, he's judging me in the sense right. that, wow. <laughs> I wow, could be you made go, that decision? Oh, really? You guys have done that, huh? Wow. Well, we're gonna, it's going to take some time to fix that one. <laughs> so, so how do you help people feel comfortable? Because you talk about the psychology of this, and that's a huge part of it. So how do you help people feel comfortable and to, to get past that barrier? So Because there's so much good that you can do for them. I would say... My kind of my first reaction is I've I've lived that myself and I think I have a better appreciation now than I did before my wife and I got our own financial planner and I I tell a lot of people that I have a, that I have a financial planner. Well, and wait I a say, second, wait a second. That's you interesting. You have a financial planner. Exactly. Tell us and, why. Yes. <laughs> and a lot of people look at me like, so clearly you're not good at your job. And, <laughs> right? and let's go back to my dad's story, right? My dad was an oral surgeon. He's retired now, but he had, he could not do surgery on himself as well as a third party would be able to look in his mouth and take a tooth out. Yeah. He could do it, you know, with mirrors and, but he's going to have blind spots. He's not going to have the same perspective. He's going to be too close to the situation. Plus it's painful to, to yeah. surgery on yourself. Right. And so in a similar way, so my wife and I are very different on our psychology when it relates to money. She looks at money as something we talk to this concept with our clients about, um, is it security or is it an opportunity? And my wife is very much on the security side and I do not want cash in the bank because that's a wasted opportunity of what it could be doing. And I agree. Jeff needs to stop looking at me. I know, right? right? (laughs) And so as we approach to a third party, now we can go and we can say, here's how we're currently managing our money. And here's what we're doing. Can you help us 
bridge the gap. And actually, uh, the number one thing is my wife needed an advocate on her side that knew as much as I did so that we could have good conversations and not be in my own blind spots and my own emotional bias on how I view money. It's, it's our money. It's not my money. And so we got a financial planner and that process of just that initial, here's what I've done was so scary for me because Mm -hmm. I was taking it as, wait a minute, this is, this is me revealing what I get paid to do. And now I'm showing somebody else. Let's let's. And so that actually helped me get a nice appreciation for what I'm taking clients through too, when they start. And so we actually focus first on the, the why before we focus on the what. And so we focus on Tell me about your history with money. What's your earliest memory of money? And I think that's actually an interesting exercise to think about of what is the first memory you have of money. And I've had clients reveal really positive experiences and really negative experiences. But in your formative years, you, you develop a relationship with money that will last the rest of your life. And you can work on that relationship, but it will impact your decisions. I've got a client who's 97 years old and I believe there are things that he experienced growing up that impact him today. And so we start with the why, and then it's really easy to open up with what does the data say? What what are you actually doing today? Because then it's not about what did you do wrong? We're Mm -hmm. focused on where we want to get you and what the point of all this is. Money is just a tool to reach your, you know, life goals to help you get fulfillment. It's just a tool to get there. It's not the end all be all. It's not the goal. And so if we can get out of the, who cares what you did before and not worry about that and focus on what are we going to do to take steps every day to help you get more fulfillment and at peace, that's, that's where we try to focus our time. That is so good. I know. I feel like we're in a counseling session (laughs) right now. (laughs) I (laughs) do too. Like, Ben, you can help us. You can help us. (laughs) (laughs) This is great. So go ahead. Just I I 100% agree that we all have financial experiences from our formative years that shape how we approach money. And, and it's so interesting to and I and I love recognizing that being able to talk to a third person that isn't emotionally attached to that can be so helpful. Um, And so I just wanted to so what as, as you start working with people, what are some of the let, let's go both sides of this. What are some of the things that happen that you're like, yeah, they're doing this really well. And what are some of the biggest mistakes we make that we're not doing well in, in, in just as you cross your clientele? Mm-hmm. The the biggest I'll, I'll just start with mistake. I don't like to go in order. So um the biggest mistake is when is is honestly and, and I fall in this too personally is when you focus too much on what other people are doing. So I have clients that ask me, "Well, what are your other clients doing?" Or my mm-hmm. friend told me about this investment, should we do that? Or whatever that looks like. We deal as a financial planner in probabilities, right? So we've got what's the best probability of success. But at the same time, you live one life. And so it doesn't really matter what the probabilities say. Your life is all that matters to you, right? And so your decisions need to be unique to you and not to what your friend is doing who may or may not be in the same situation. Um, and if you if they haven't opened up their whole 
financial life to you, you probably don't know as much as you think what, you do. Yeah. But it's so easy, especially in today's culture, um, to see what someone's doing, the vacations they're taking that are on Instagram or whatever that is, and fall into the trap of, well, we have a similar job. Why can't we do that? And right. um, that is the number one thing that I think we, I try to help is just that third party of like, hey, it doesn't really matter what they're doing. And oh, and here's what you can say back. And um, it shows up in a lot of different ways. Um, what I think works really well for a lot of my clients is they have the right goal in mind, which is I want to save, but I also need to enjoy this. Mm-hmm. And then we just need to balance because people fall into one or two spectrums. It's either I need to enjoy this, so I'm going to spend it now. Or I need to enjoy this, so I'm going to save, but then they get to retirement and then they don't actually spend because they've lived their whole life saving. And so yeah. just trying to balance That's the saving and and um, and actually spending on the things you wanted to spend for. Um, there's a spectrum there. And I think people kind of fall at the poles a little bit. And then we try to bring them to the middle because there's a balance. So what? So you, you just brought up something that I believe, and Jamie and I have actually had some very um, rich conversations around this, which is Good what I call, thank you, rich, rich, nice. yeah, which is what I call the cancer of comparison, mm-hmm. where I compare myself to everyone else. And the reason I call it a cancer is because I will always come up short, no matter what. And as I get in those cycles, then what happens is like what you said, well, they're taking these vacations, they live in these houses, they have these cars, they ha- they're able to do these things. And what we see in social media is the highlight reel. You know, it's just like when you watch a a baseball game on the highlight reel, it's two minutes. Well, you don't see all the different things that happened in between that actually led up to that particular out or that particular home run or that particular single. And so you just think that, well, they just live life on the highlight reel. And Instagram, social media, any of those things, it's the highlight reel. And when you see the highlight reel, then I compare myself to that highlight reel. And what I what I do is compare their high moments with my low moments and mm-hmm. say, how come I don't have these things? The other thing, it's so fun because we've talked about this a lot, but this is the first time that I've thought about this is because you said a baseball game. And I went to a baseball game last year. And it was so fun because most of the game was boring. And I left at one point to go get a Diet Coke. And when I came, as soon as I left and was standing in line, I hear the stadium just go Erupt. nuts. Yeah. Yes. And, but I'm in line, so I don't want to leave. So I get my, my Coke and I go back to sitting down and it's back to being totally boring. And, <laughs> and I thought, how funny, because if you see it on Instagram, you think the whole game was like that, that the whole game was that exciting moment. But in actuality... I thought the whole game was a little bit boring and there was only two times that were really exciting and you in that out whole, both of them. I missed both of them <laughs> to get my diet Coke and then go to the bathroom because of my diet Coke. And so it's interesting because as you said that, I'm like the highlight reel, but what happens is not only do we compare, but we, we make their whole life look like they're living this way 24 seven all the time. All they're doing is having fun because that's, because that's what we think. Yeah. But in reality, there's just these little moments. So I, I I just think it's deeply profound that you would say that the biggest mistake that people make isn't a financial decision, it's comparing. That's mm-hmm. that's huge. That's a huge mind shift for me to look at it and think well, that's where I start. 
and and as you said we are all we all have that so that sometimes come up i mean for me just to be vulnerable for myself i mean i in the first couple of years of my business i was comparing you mentioned i was in a peer i've been in a peer group for over 10 years these are other very successful financial planners we have a similar mindset as we approach with our clients but i was the newest in terms of starting my business and yet i was comparing just last year my business success to where they were right. when then my uh associate one of my team members he called me out and he said ben you're doing exactly what we tell clients not to do you're comparing <laughs> to somebody else and and he was right and i'm glad that we have that relationship he can call me out on yep. that but um that is it's so easy to fall into that trap and mm -hmm. i think that's one of the biggest things that um just to have you know what i like to do is why i like to work with my clients is just we have that relationship that i can be the person to call them out right and say, say that yeah this is not a healthy spot to be in, mm -hmm. but it's not about shame, right? It's about, uh, let's focus on what matters to you. You have different goals. You have different dreams. You have different priorities. Mm -hmm. Totally fine. Let's do that. And just really quick, sorry, this is another thought I had. Um, as you're talking, it is interesting that we make an assumption that if we know something or teach something, we should be perfect at doing that thing. And I think we hold other people to that same standard. Mm. But I think it's part of the human experience and, and part of the human existence to recognize that even though you can know something really well, that doesn't mean you're doing it perfectly. <laughs> like it still takes intentionality and it still takes practice and it still takes times where you're like, wow, I was doing really good. And then times where you're like, whoa, I didn't realize I had, I had gotten into this place and I needed someone to call me back out. Even when it's something that you spend time teaching other people about. Yeah. yeah. I think that's, that's a really good thing to recognize. So as you look at, um, as people come in and, and you start working with them, we talked about the successes that, that people come in and what are some of the things that, so obviously the other side of don't compare and, but, but, but also what are some of the things that they come in with that they're like, that you're like, okay, this is going really good. We can use this to continue to go forward. Yes. To, to kind of relate to exactly, you know, as you guys talk about with streaking, it's, it's all about building as many automations as possible uh, so mm -hmm. that you automate savings, you automate whatever you want to have done. And so a lot of people come in and they've done a good job of saying, we're going to automatically every paycheck, we're going to put money to a 401k or we're going to put money every month into a college savings account for our kids, whatever that is. And I think as much as we can automate everything, it's so helpful because it eliminates decisions on an ongoing basis okay. and eliminates the opportunity to mess it up and let your emotions get involved with it. Um, so I think that's the number one thing that people come in already ready. If you, if you're at the point you say, you know, I need some help. They've, people have done some steps first and um, the biggest thing is probably just automation. So when they, awesome. when they have, and this is one of the things we talk about as far as, you know, the automatic withdrawal into a 401k, you're, you're like, yeah, good thing. That's definitely the way to go. Absolutely. Automatic withdrawal, like into a savings account that may be a little bit more liquid. That's good way to go. Mm -hmm. Is that, that, is that kind of where you're, where you're at? For sure. And I, I mean, I have just for my, personal finances. When I get paid every uh, twice a month, I have four different accounts that I automatically have my paycheck go into. It, okay. I have it set up on my, my 
that it just goes there because that's my easiest way that I don't have to take an extra step to go do something else. I have money and that actually five, if you include the 401k. So I've got five places that the money goes into, and I know exactly what those buckets are for. And one of those is a longer term bucket. It's, you know, trips. My family loves to take trips. We like to do that. Um, and so we have an ongoing savings that just every paycheck, we put a little bit of money in there. And again, I don't have to go into my checking account and move the money over. It just automatically goes there. Mm. Uh, things like that. Good. It's just, it's so helpful to just eliminate all possibility of getting off the plan that you want. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because in streaking, we talk about behavioral things being intentional. So you want to be intentional about what it is you do. And then we also talk about the automatic area where you really, and where, where we call the automatic area is maintenance. And we just want some things to be maintenance and then a lot of other things which are growth and progress in, in streaking is all about being intentional, intentionally choosing. So that for example, like with, with my paycheck, if I take it and automatically have it be divided into those four or five different accounts, then my intentional part of streaking is the idea that I'm going to say, for example, one time a week review my finances. That's mm -hmm. intentional so that I can see where I am and the progress that I'm making. So even though I've got that automatic layer in there, I still want to be intentional about reviewing and looking at my finances. And I'm throwing that out there as a little bit of a hypothesis. Is that true? Would you would you say that that's good, that's good financial advice? I think for most people, it's good financial advice. Where I'm he uh, hedging a little bit there yeah. is on the frequency of, of looking for some people, seeing the numbers on a weekly basis can cause extra stress and more anxiety, especially if you don't have a third party you're working with that can help tell you it's going to be okay. Right. Okay. And so, um, and I only say that because it's most of ongoing cash flow, it, it kind of averages out over time. But if you're looking on a, on a very short term basis, you can have those one time spikes that, um, you know, you, or maybe you splurged a little bit, but now you it's in your face right away. If you smooth it out, maybe on a monthly basis, something like that, that can be a little easier to stomach that, okay, well, yes, comparing this month to last month. And so part of that's, again, just psychology of the, of the person. Um, are you are you going to be able to focus and say, it's okay that I spent a little bit more this month because you know, maybe I planned for it, right? And yeah. it's okay yeah. to do that. Uh, again, it's, it's kind of working with your own inner voice of, um, how are you thinking on that? That's really good because we talk a lot about 100%. Give yourself uh, permission to be 100%. What, what, how did you say it? How to you succeed say it? 100%. To succeed of the time. 100% of the time. And so what you say is weekly may be too much and it may be a monthly streak where just once a month you review and see where it is. And like what you said, with you as a certified financial planner to help be able to say, look, you're okay here's the things that are out to remove the stress and to have a little bit of that peace. That's really good. So this, this, uh, one of the things that we had talked about before we started the podcast is why financial planners love and hate budgets. Does this relate to that a Absolutely. little bit? Can you talk it, about that? Yeah. Life is messy and yeah. uh, things happen that you, you know, everyone should have a, in their budget kind of a, a miscellaneous bucket 
just because you never know what's going to happen. And if you, you know, give yourself permission to, to be a hundred percent successful, part of that is you got to have some buffer in there for everyone's budget. And so, you know, there'll be some YouTube, you know, vloggers that say, you know, you got to get down to every penny and know exactly where it is. And if you mess that up, I mean, again, it's the shame of you're a failure and you didn't do it right. right. And if only you could do a better job of tracking your money and only spending. What you could be like to. me, <laughs> exactly, a millionaire on YouTube. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. And so I hate budgets in the mindset of it's got to be exactly to the dollar or to the penny um, and give yourself no wiggle room. On the other side, budgets are really helpful, especially as you're starting down the, the journey of financial independence and, and trying to focus on getting to a better financial spot. You need some sort of parameters. You need to know this. You need to know how to keep score. <laughs> and so yeah. um, budgets are helpful, but they, they're not gospel that you have to keep, you know, exactly following. So what I'm hearing is you read, you read a series of books one time yeah. from someone that is, is, is a member of our church. And when you got done reading the series of books, you said, that was really difficult because I felt like everything he said, he's like, you need to do this, but not too much. You need to do this, but not too much. And he goes, by the time I got done reading, it was a recognition that life is all about this, this a chain, a, working towards this level of balance. And as I've thought about it, the other thing that's difficult about that is that balance isn't necessarily something that you achieve in the sense that you're like, all right, I'm perfectly balanced and you can stay there. I feel like more like it's like this line in life that you're kind of crossing back over and you try to make the the how far out you go from the line a little bit smaller each time. So you're 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 moving off and on the line or shorter distances, but but you're always having to realign, so to speak. And, and so I love that as you're saying, the idea with the budget, sometimes we go into it and we're like, I want it to be, I want to go straight down that line with no variations. And it's a, it's, it's a recipe for frustration. And I think what you say, shame, because is it even possible to do that? Right, if you're going to actually right. live life, maybe it's possible right. if you cut everybody out of your life and your only goal is to save your money, <laughs> <laughs> then yes, maybe you can do it. But what kind of life is that? And, right. and so to be able to recognize that, yes, you need a budget, it's important to have that, but the idea that you're going to live it perfectly is a recipe for frustration and failure. Mm. And I would, I would add to that too, just kind of first steps as I think about budgets. I like to start at a high level, which I think there's only like four categories you need to track <laughs> to begin if you want to start this path, right? So the first is just income. So you start with income. You, you've got money coming in, right? You need to then, know how much money you're coming in. <laughs> exactly. Then you get to taxes because that is that is a that is an expense that you have to pay no matter what. So you don't make what you make. You make that minus taxes. And yes. so subtract off taxes. So now you have your money that you get to do something with. And that money can go to three categories. It can go to fixed expenses. That's things like rent. That's things like a car payment, student loan payment. The, that is that you have to every month or every year, whatever the time period is, you have to pay that. You have no choice in the matter at this point. Right. That's fixed expenses. That you probably should track each one individually because those don't change. Mm -hmm. You're going to hit that. Then you have two more categories left. It's what we call variable spending 
which changes over time. You have a lot of decisions about that. And then you have savings or debt payments. Those are kind of the two. Um, Because I view debt payments paying more than just the minimum as savings. And so balancing the variable spending, which is a big, broad category. I include food in there too, because food can go from you know, the ramen diet to high-end restaurants and everything yes. in between, right? Um, is variable spending and then savings. And if you can automate some savings, now you know the broad amount of money that you can spend on the variable amount. And then it's not so detailed of, well, I only have X number of dollars in groceries I can spend this month, but the groceries do impact what you can spend on entertainment because those are all variable expenses. So starting with kind of the get your fixed expenses. And and the last thing I'll just say on this is a lot of people that can't make steps positively towards savings. It's because their fixed expenses are too high and yet they don't understand that. And so they say, why am I spending so much money? And because they've cut everything as low as they could in the variable and there's really Mm -hmm. nothing else they could do. And it's because the fixed expenses are are too high and you're just stuck and you can't do that. Yeah. So one of the streaks that we've had and have had for a long time is to categorize at least one financial transaction every day. It's because we spend money every day, no matter what. I mean, there's just something you spend on. And so we, we look at that and based on what you just said, a lot of that is based around our variable expenses because we know that, you know, we have the fixed expenses and but the variable expenses we're like we need to categorize these so that we know where that money's going and can make decisions on a monthly basis to be able to say can we do something different variable or do we want to do something different variable because that's the intentionality of it exactly would you say yeah that's totally what i was thinking is that i i i I appreciate that there's certain things that you set up and they're like okay let's make this automatic so that it happens but why are you making something automatic so that you can be more intentional about the things that are truly important yeah. so that you're able to be like, okay, this is where I really want to be <clears throat> right. focusing my decision-making processes yeah. is in this area. So you mentioned where you get started is those four categories, or, or would you say that's kind of where you get started? If if I'm, re- if I'm, if I'm before I come to you or with you or whatever it is, that's where you would go is, is those right. areas as well. That, that's, that's where we start is let's let's just figure out what those categories look like because that gives us that that lets us know how much we can change <laughs> right 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 so when so as you as you go through that oh okay go ahead and ask I that wanted question. to ask that question go just ahead. while we're on budget ask the question so you mentioned something as far as extreme budget diets such as the fire movement now I don't know what the fire movement is I hadn't heard it maybe there is something about that that but what 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 is an extreme budget diet and what does that look like? So so uh, yeah, quickly the fire movement stands for financial independence, retire early, and that was a big thing that came out the last really the last decade and and um, as the economy was growing and people are making a lot of money in stock market and things like that, it it became a hip thing to do. And it, but a, a, several people that were pushing it a lot that became very famous on it were all on. The way you get to this is by cutting all extra expenses out, having no fund, saving 80% of your income, not living life. Um, you shouldn't have a car. You should really sell your house and live in a tent. Ex- what I would call extreme <laughs> wow. budget diets so that you yeah. can quit your unfulfilling job and go live the same way you just lived to get to the point 
to quit your job. <laughs> right. And that doesn't sound super fulfilling. And so a lot, but again, it goes back to that shame of a lot of it was position, positioned as if you hate your job, you should be doing this. And if you don't, you don't really hate your job that much. And it wasn't validating the fact that some people have a really bad boss situation or yeah. they're in the wrong career or whatever that looks like. And so the fire movement, I, I don't disagree with the fire movement. I, I think, it, again, it's all about balance. It's important to have the right frame of mind on it. And so whether it's that or it's another, um, you know, extreme diet of cut every cut everything out and only add back in, it's very hot and cold and it's not very sustainable for most people to go too far that that direction. That's a really good way to say it. The, the, I think the sustainability is a huge key component. Yeah. And and it's the same thing. I think the same thing is people would say in a physical realm of diets is that the sustainability is important because if you don't change the way that you're thinking about things so that you can have a lifestyle change, so to speak, you may do something for a short period of time, but you're going to go back to what you were doing yeah. before. Because I look at, as you mentioned, Ben, and we talk about this idea of money as a tool, right? It's a tool to be used to be able to get the lifestyle that you really want, if I'm putting that in the correct terms. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. So if I'm always saving, I look at the hammer that stays on the wall and I never learn how to use that tool, but boy, it looks good on the wall. Mm -hmm. right. I have a big savings and it looks good in the account, but I think that there's something, and I'd love your thoughts on this, about learning how to spend money. I mean, how, how to use it as a tool as well as to save it. And I think there's a lot of emphasis on the save side, mm -hmm. but maybe not the emphasis that we need on the, okay, how do you spend it in, in the ways that are good and fulfilling? Absolutely. So I, I, I actually will relate this to a, a client that I have and I've worked with him for um, 15 years now. And he, and this is just something that just impacts me every time I think about his story. It really impacts me today. As I talk to clients, he and his wife fit in the category of diligent savers. They were going for financial independence quickly helps when you don't have kids that you're spending money on to save a little bit more, but they, they were able to retire early and that's what they always wanted to. And they're really active skiers and things like that. They retired in their early fifties and just about six months into retirement, she was diagnosed with stage four cancer and passed away quickly after. Wow. And what I'm so thankful of is that they did actually retire when they hit the number and they spent their time those six months when she was healthy and, and really living it up because now he's got that memory of the time that they saved. And, and I can only imagine maybe they were, you know, maybe it was, they weren't as good as savers. And so they had done all this saving and never lived life while they were working. And now, and then she's gone. And now yeah. what did you save for? Um, he has since remarried and, and is living life now and, and enjoying his time. And it's great. And it's great to work with him like that. Um, but I have a number of clients. So my youngest client's 29, my oldest client's 97. I've seen all the life stages, right? Yeah. <laughs> so um, <laughs> it is so common that clients will be good savers and then they retire and they can't spend money. And my number one job is I force sending money to them from their portfolio. So they see, so they start spending it. Because <laughs> they like just you aren't need to spending yeah. money. 
you need to spend your money. What is this? What is this? And they're like, oh, yeah, but what if I live too long? I'm telling you, you're fine financially. You've done enough. Yeah. Go enjoy it. And just pushing people to go that direction. But again, money's emotional. And so you always have fears. You always have things that are there. But um, I think it's just, it, it's hard for a lot of people who have been great savers to then spend money. I think you're right on on that. So you said, just in passing, you said you've done enough. And how do you define what is enough? Like, mm. how do you how do you know that? Uh, there's, there's the what is enough money answer and mm-hmm. then there's the what is enough on you know life answer and we're not going to get all philosophical here or, <laughs> or and things but um i think the number one piece is actually starting with the second part which is figure out both from an identity you know personal identity perspective what's your role uh in your family in your life what what is enough for you that outside of your job outside of the money what's going to bring you fulfillment that you're going to say you know I've got the good life, whatever that is to you. And maybe that's with, you know, you mentioned church, maybe it's a pastor or, or maybe it's a therapist, or maybe it's just someone else that you're a good friend that you're talking to figure out what enough is before you bring money into it. It's mm-hmm. super important. Yeah. And then the money actually answers itself. Because we talk about six stages of financial independence and the last stage, most people stop at stage five, which is I can live the lifestyle I have now. As we talk to clients, the the sixth stage is what I call true financial freedom, which is you can actually pursue whatever is the most fulfilling to you, even if that means your lifestyle is going to be dramatically different. And so whether that's you're going to go take a year off and go be a missionary somewhere. Maybe that's what's going to bring you the most fulfillment and you can afford to do that. Or you're going to move across the country to go be with your grandchildren and it's a much more expensive area, but that's really what's going to bring fulfillment in your life is the relationships you have there. I don't want you to focus on, yes, but I only have this much money. True financial freedom is pursuing the, whatever you define enough is. Then the number side, you can work with a good financial planner and figure it out. And there's different tools and it's a good step. You can go that direction. But I think it actually starts with what does life mean? You know? Right. Right. Exactly. The why, again, the why and why am I doing all of this? This has been hugely illuminating. Very. Absolutely wonderful. I've loved the entire conversation. (laughs) I have too. We've really loved it. So just in finishing up here. Can people get started at any time in the, with a financial planner? I mean, you know, say you for too- example, we'll just be vulnerable. We've never had a financial planner, but now I'm thinking that I want to have you as our financial planner. Can we get started at any time, or or is it just like, nope? If you didn't do it when you were young, then you're out. <laughs> if you didn't start soccer when you were two, you're never going to play. Never well, make so it happen. Just don't. You can always start. Um, and uh, you mentioned the change in the guard before, and, and you mentioned in the intro, I'm a member of the XY Planning Network. And the XY Planning Network is part of that next generation of financial advisors, financial planners that are not just about investment management as a piece. And um, you can actually go to xypn.com, but there's all sorts of things from hourly planners that will just help you on an hourly basis, and you can get some good advice, and then you can get tools to go do stuff all the way up to kind of full service. We manage everything for you all the time. 
situation and everything in between. And so cost used to be a factor. I don't think it needs to be as much anymore um, because there's so many different ways to work with clients, um, whether it's project hourly or ongoing. Um, and, and so I think taking a first step and most financial planners, at least good ones, they're not going to charge you for the initial conversation and they can kind of tell you, okay, here's what I think we can do for you. And here's what it's going to cost you. And here's why it's worthwhile. And so, you know, yeah. finding a, someone who's not getting commissions, finding someone that's looking out for your best interest and truly is looking at financial planning, not just manage your investments. If you find someone like mm -hmm. that, I think you, you can take good first steps at any time. That's awesome. Well, thank you, thank so, you so, much. so much. How do people get a hold of you if they have further questions or want to talk with you further? Uh, best place is just go to our website, um, illuminatewm.com. And uh, we've got to contact us. And I always, I have 15 minute calls with people all the time. <laughs> That's fantastic. Streakers, this has been a really dynamic conversation. Ben is a phenomenal individual with a lot of experience and talked, as you heard, with all of the different life changes that you may have or balances or whatever you feel about money. You have the opportunity to really achieve what you want to achieve and become who you want to be. And we talk about that a lot through streaking, through living your intentional life, through simple, intentional actions that you do daily, weekly, or monthly. That's truly what you can do, especially with some of your variable income. If you have any questions about streaking, you can reach out to Jamie or I uh, at our email address, Jeffrey, J-E-F-F-E-R-Y, at thestreakingapp.com or... Jamie, J-A-M-I, at thestreakingapp.com. You can also download The Streaking App which gives you the opportunity to see a whole bunch of streakers in in all kinds of different stages of life and what it is that they're doing with their finances or what streaks they have going forward. We're actually going to invite Ben to become a part of the streaking community and we're going to invite him to set up a community on the streaking app. You may want to call it Illuminate WM on the streaking app where he will be able to share with you some of the different streaks that will help you arrive to where your financial freedom really is. Well, streakers, we've enjoyed it. Ben, we've enjoyed being with you. Thank you. Until we talk again. Keep streaking. Keep streaking.